Hi, my name is Dr. Mark Alandari, and I'm an infectious diseases specialist in New Orleans. Hi, my name is Hope Hickerson, and I'm a health education specialist and reporter. This is the Noise Filter Podcast, where an infectious diseases physician... That's me, and a health education expert... That's me. Talk about what you need to know to keep yourself and your loved ones healthy. For more information about Noise Filter, your public health podcast, and to watch and share our incredible informative animations, please visit us at noisefiltershow.com. And if you like what you hear, don't forget to leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to us. So let's get started. All right, everybody, welcome to Noise Filter. Of course, I'm Hope, and I just want to welcome our producer, Graham Patterson, to the show today. Dr. Derry is traveling, so Graham is stepping in for him. Graham is wonderful, and he's been on the podcast before, so this is a no-brainer. So, Graham, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Hope. You're wonderful, too. Black and brown seniors usually get a less effective vaccine. What? So each year there are usually two versions of the influenza vaccine. One is three times more expensive than the other, but protects the immunocompromised better than the standard vaccine. Because of this, some facilities opt to give the more expensive vaccine to their elderly patients. But the Washington Post reports that Black and Hispanic seniors don't receive the more effective vaccine as often as white patients. Oh my gosh. The post says the disparity is partially because public health experts haven't officially recommended the vaccine for the elderly. Second, even though Medicare reimburses for both versions, the cost upfront can be a deterrent and carrying both means more staff and paperwork. Federal health reluctance to recommend one vaccine over another means that drug companies don't usually have a reason to compare their vaccines to make sure they're effective. And Black patients sometimes don't even have access to these lower-grade options. One study found that Black seniors are 20% less likely to get vaccinated against the flu at all. These racial and ethnic gaps are even wider in doctors' offices than they are in pharmacies and other flu shot facilities. More research must be done into the efficacy of the flu vaccine to find out the best option for all seniors in the area and to ensure equity. Oh, Grab, I don't even know what to say. Oh. Yeah, my mind goes to like a lot of different places, which are... Of course, all the historical reasons why Mm -hmm. some populations are less likely to engage with healthcare, which I think, you know, has been talked about before on the show. And then also, and we've actually put out a noise filter video about this. When they're doing drug trials, a lot of times they're not doing a good job of reflecting the population in the people that are part of the study, right? And so... When you say, okay, well, we've just done a study where 99% of the people in the study were white, and Mm -hmm. now we want to pass the same, you know, medicine on to everyone who doesn't fall into Mm -hmm. that group. Mm -hmm. Of course, I think there's some kind of big question marks that go up because there are 
different ways that people process different medications. So mm-hmm. I don't know what yeah. do you think, Hope. I, this story just makes me so tired. Like, it's yeah. like, come on. Why can't yeah. we do better than this? I yeah. don't understand this. Like, you know, aside from the fact that black and brown people aren't getting the same access to medications, like we've talked about this multiple times on this podcast, mm-hmm. like the travesty of that. But the fact yeah. that drug companies don't have a reason to compare the vaccines to make sure they're effective. Oh, yeah. What? So there's no there's nothing there that tells them, you know what? We have at vaccine A, vaccine B. Let's see which one is better. Like nothing right. that can just give right. them to people. You know, stories like this too, Hope, I feel like they're so multifaceted. It's like yes. really hard to, to dig into them and pick apart all the different elements. But like one other factor for this too is like, I think kind of like there's greenwashing, right? And you have corporations mm-hmm. that are coming out and they're saying like, we're doing so much good for the environment by our product, you know? Mm -hmm. I've noticed something where like a lot of drug companies are saying like, there's so much disparity, like let's get the government to pay for our medication to, you know, equal out the disparity. And it's like, okay, let's do the first step of making sure that this medicine that's three times more expensive is actually effective before we talk (laughs) talk about the equity issues. Exactly. Um, That just seems like low-hanging fruit to me, you know? So we'll just have to keep an eye on it and keep listening to, to see what happens. The artificial pancreas. Type 1 diabetes is a chronic condition that usually presents during childhood. People with type 1 diabetes cannot produce insulin on their own or cannot produce a sufficient amount of insulin for functioning. The pancreas is responsible for producing insulin, and insulin helps bring sugar into cells. When insulin sugars collect in the bloodstream, that leads to high blood sugar. High blood sugar is a serious condition and leads to many issues and complications related to diabetes. 900 patients in England with type 1 diabetes are now trying out a new artificial pancreas. The artificial pancreas can regulate the amount of insulin and monitor blood sugar levels. The artificial pancreas can relieve the need to perform finger prick tests to check blood sugar and can mitigate bouts of high and low blood sugar levels. So how does this artificial pancreas work? There's a monitor under the skin that measures blood sugar levels in the patient. Then the blood sugar levels are sent to a pump, which calculates the adequate level of insulin to administer. All of this data is then sent to a smartphone application so patients can monitor the readings. Patients can also enter data into the smartphone app, such as how many carbohydrates they just consumed from a meal. This is as close to a fully automated artificial pancreas as we've gotten. There's a sentence I never thought I'd be saying. Right. The only thing preventing it from being fully autonomous is the need to manually input carbohydrates consumed after a meal. Physicians in the field believe this technology is revolutionary and a game changer for managing diabetes. For a child, this could translate to a huge increase in their quality of life. Right, yes. The artificial pancreas can be the tool that allows children to focus on being a kid, not on their condition. Furthermore, this accurate and consistent monitoring can give people the peace of mind 
that they're not letting their blood sugar levels get too high or too low, which is a risk factor for some lifelong complications. Hopefully, this is just the tip of the iceberg for the artificial pancreas. And with more research and development, the technology will become even better and available to anyone with type 1 diabetes. Oh, this is great. This is the kind of advances in medicine that you love to see, right? Like anything that will improve the the daily life of a person is just fabulous. I'm so excited about this. And, you know, when I was pregnant, I actually had gestational diabetes and I had to prick my finger multiple times a day for a specified amount of time. And it was terrible. It was terrible. And that was just for the short amount of time that I was pregnant to have to do that lifelong. Oh, I cannot imagine. So I love this advance. Like I, I cannot wait to see what comes with this. Thanks for listening to Noise Filter, your public health podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the Noise Filter podcast. Follow us on social media and leave us a review letting us know your favorite part of the show. You can find me, Hope Pickerson, at hopepickerson.com. And you can find me at Dr. Mark Allen Derry or at the Dr. Derry. That's D-R-D-E-R-Y. To see and share our amazing animations and find out more information about us, the show, as well as links to our social media, go to noisefiltershow.com. We are grateful to our sponsors, including Access Health Louisiana and the End the Epidemic Initiative, who are working to bring equitable health outcomes to everyone they serve. Hope, any last words? Stay well out there, folks, and continue taking steps to keep yourself and your loved ones healthy. That includes exercise, a good diet, getting adequate sleep, and seeing your healthcare providers regularly. And protect yourself and others by getting the COVID-19 vaccine and booster, wearing a mask, and social distancing wherever possible. Remember, health is a human right. <laughs>